Welcome to another episode of Canalis Inside Conversations, where we are talking about some of the biggest trends that are hitting IT and the channel. Today, we're going to look at how the channel is performing uh, in the midst of the global pandemic, give an update on that. But to start off with, we want to look at the new business models that are um, emerging throughout the IT industry. And Alistair, we've seen for some time now a gradual shift towards both newer technologies, but also newer consumption models with software and subscriptions becoming increasingly important in the world of IT. And I don't know if things have necessarily accelerated during COVID-19, but by no means have vendors taken their foot off the pedal and we continue to see new um, new product rollouts, new um, announcements around software and subscriptions. What are some of the things that you think are going on in this space across IT? Yeah, I, I totally agree, Alex. And I mean, I think for some vendors, they have actually doubled down on this. Uh, I think that there's been a clear recognition that the public cloud has, has been a winner in this uh, period in the last few months. And I think it's kind of prompted some of the particularly the infrastructure vendors, but some of the software vendors as well, to, uh, as you said, at least continue pushing forward with their strategies, if not even slightly accelerate them. If you look at uh, HPE, if you look at Cisco, if you look at some of the other software vendors, uh, you know, they are very much pointing to their strategies as critical. They're maintaining their priority focus on those models. Um, there is definitely, as you said, no plans to take the foot off the gas at the moment. And I think there are a few reasons for that as well. Yeah, so let's talk to some of those uh, um, examples that were mentioned. So Hewlett Packard Enterprise, um, they've over the past couple of weeks had their virtual Discover event and they've announced a number of things. One of the big announcements was Esmeral, which is their um, essentially their new software um, line, their new rebranded software line. Um, why, what are some of the things that you've seen on on Esmeral? What are your what are your takes there? Yeah, I mean, HPE's software strategy has always been a something um, a little bit difficult to sort of interpret at times. Um, the way I read it is that this is a a complete rebranding of their all their software assets into one overarching umbrella. This Esmeral brand, as you mentioned. And there's a lot within there. Uh, they brought everything together. I mean, from my point of view, I think they are just really pushing on the relevance part. They need to make sure that in this changing world, as we see customers particularly focus on multi-cloud, on their hybrid IT strategies, you know, HPE needs to make sure it's it's right in the forefront of that and the center of that, that push by customers. So Esmeral is, I think, in terms of the, the sort of the things that they see as the jewels within that portfolio, it's things like their container management software. Um, and they are now through that um, positioning themselves really directly against competitors like Red Hat, but also VMware. Because VMware, uh, the end of last year, came out with this Tanzu initiative, which were, again was all about applica application modernization, um, enabling customers to date VMs into the public cloud by containers, um, that's a really big priority for them. So HPE effectively creates something which is, a, is on a collision course actually with VMware strategy. 
Um, and they're, I think they're putting a lot of a lot of emphasis on on Esmero. I think they see it as as really critical to their future strategy. Yeah, and as you say, we've been down this road with HPE before, where they have had dedicated software businesses in the past. Um, under the bigger HP, they had HP Software as a standalone business unit, and I think, frankly, to varying degrees of success, um, has HPE been as a software company? And um, I really think w when they first announced it, my initial thought was, okay, they're, they're simply rebranding their software assets that they have internally and, uh, again, trying to cast a bit more marketing light to it. But uh, as you mentioned, the fact that they do have some um, some new products there where they are competing somewhat head-on with some of their traditional partner software partners in the industry um, does create an interesting proposition for them. And honestly, what they need is they need a winning software product, uh, I think, to in order to kind of drive massive installed base to really gain relevancy in the market. So it's not about having a, um, a kind of an overall software portfolio, but do they have a winning software product that the industry uh, or the uh, customers at large really want and need to buy? Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. And I think I think the other element to it is they see the continued migration of workloads and data and applications to public cloud. And public cloud is a, is a threat to HPE in terms of its core infrastructure business. But also, if it doesn't enable that, then absolutely it falls out of the um, the relevance with their key customers, and it really hands um, more business to the public cloud providers in a way. What it's trying to do is enable its uh, customers' hybrid IT strategies. In my view, I think I think this is the key part of it. Um, and also, going back to the subscription model, to really align with where it thinks customers or the way customers want to buy. So. Esmeral uh, is now available at, as part of their new GreenLake offer, which is their subscription or rather as a service um, solution. And they've had that for a while, obviously, but they've expanded that now. Um, so they're making uh, Esmeral available as part of that as a service offer, which of course, as we know, is, is absolutely the priority um, drive for them. That's their strategic, um, their sort of number one strategic goal is to move uh, everything that they offer to uh, be available as a service by I think 2022 or 23 I think that's and they're still they're still very much on on route to, to hit that target or plan to hit that target yeah and so obviously the, there has been a gradual shift from established IT companies building out their software practices building out their subscription practices HP is a, a big example of that um, they're not the only ones, obviously. And even traditional software companies are trying to reposition their offerings to be more um, suited for this world of hybrid IT, um, where cloud is a big part of that. And we, we also think that one interesting example is what Commvault is doing with their metallic business. Um, and this is a business unit that it did launch uh, at the end of 2019, very much positioning it as kind of a, uh, a SaaS-based disaster recovery startup within the overall Commvault business. So a standalone type of entity um, with integrated um, products, but also go-to-market strategy, marketing, um, you know, separate branding and everything. 
And I think this is really a um, you know unique way for a software company to position its relevancy in this hybrid cloud world um, rather than just simply kind of porting over its existing assets over to cloud. It's taking a very much grounds up approach and um, recently it had an initiative where um, it was going to have a joint partnership with Microsoft Azure um, to, to really drive the partnership with Microsoft Azure. Yeah, and talking about sort of industry themes, that's that's absolutely a, a top one because uh, we're seeing the same thing from NetApp, from Veeam, from, from others, from VMware. Again, going back to this topic we were talking about, the how you maintain your relevance as more workloads um, transition to public cloud. Um, you know, so NetApp has done very something very simpler, sim similar with its uh, Azure NetApp files, um, where it's actually providing storage on Azure. It's doing the same thing with Google Cloud and with AWS. Um, and I, you know, I see this as a very much uh, a new route to market. Or certainly, these companies are seeing this as a new route to market for their business. And like you said, they're treating it separately to their traditional legacy business. Um, you know, the different sales model, different sales motions, and different go-to-market. And actually, I think what they're interestingly finding is it's giving them access to a new set of partners that they never had before. It's, it's giving them exposure to those cloud consultants that previously didn't sell storage or backup, but probably mm. are have, have customers who are running their applications on, on Azure and now have a need for a cloud backup or a cloud storage. So I, this is, I mean, it's a small part of the market still, but it's, an, it's a really critical uh, focus for these companies. Yeah. I think as well, the argument that these vendors are accelerating their moves towards these kinds of business models is you just take a look at VMware. Um, you know, VMware has announced uh, four acquisitions since May. And if you look at the profile of them, yes, they're all small, um, for the most part, startups that can be tucked into its technology portfolio. Um, it does span things like security, where obviously with um, uh, uh, with Carbon Black, it's one of its um, you know kind of focus areas is on is on cybersecurity. But I think what they all have in common is that they are built on modern infrastructure platforms, these different technologies, whether it's on Kubernetes or whether it's on AWS and um, offered as a um, as a service. And so I think it just really highlights that even VMware, which you know classically we think is very much core and at the forefront of hybrid IT, continues to invest in these um, technologies that are much more cloud-based than they are on-premise based as they continue to close that gap between on-premise and um, and cloud. What they're really aggressively doing now is trying to expand the portfolio across all of these pillars as they describe them um, that they they want to play in. So, you know, hybrid IT being one of them, but also, um, you know, application modernization, um, the networking and security space, as you mentioned, and also don't forget workplace because workplace is the, you know, such a hot topic at the moment. Everyone's trying to define their their new work um, environments uh, to allow remote, uh, flexible working, accessing the cloud, and they have an endpoint compute business. So I think I, I see VMware starting to, or very much on a path 
to be across all of those areas, almost a full end-to-end -end software vendor in its own right, from on-premise through to public cloud. Um, so it ensures it's it's again it's it's a relevance issue, um, and that's obviously then playing or or uh, having implications for the way it goes to market and its partnerships and its new program is all designed to drive high levels of competence among its partners on those different areas. And actually what it wants to do is get them to sell as much as possible across that entire portfolio. So it's a big yeah. change for them. Absolutely. Staying on VMware, um, also during the quarter, we started to hear rumors again um, about involving VMware and ownership rights. And the latest ones was around whether or not Dell would um, look to sell off VMware. Um, we, let, let's quickly touch on this. Um, I, I think this has been part of an ongoing um, saga between what is the ultimate relationship between VMware and uh, and Dell, its owners. Um, now, you know, really, I think what's going on here is Dell is still sitting on quite a large amount of debt, about um, 48 billion, as I recall, of long-term debt, and. I think from the investor community standpoint, that continues to be the main thing that they focus on is to what degree can Dell um, pay down this debt. And I think there, there's a bit of a, um, uh, there's a pro and a con of uh, keeping and selling VMware, right? If you if Dell sells VMware, they obviously raise a lot of cash to to um, to, to pay pay down, if not off that debt. Um, but at the same time, by owning VMware, that is um, a positive asset in terms of helping their credit rating, given the amount of free cash flow that they can get from VMware to pay down the debt. And just so that's the finance side of things that they debate over with the investor community. Um, but then strategically, as we've alluded to, VMware is one of the most important software companies in the industry. And from Dell's standpoint, keeping you know control over that uh, over that company, that asset, from a purely a strategic standpoint, must be incredibly core to what they want to do and you know it growing um, in in the future. Um, any thoughts on uh, on this ongoing saga? Well, it's it's kind of one of these perennial rumors, isn't it? I'm sure I'm sure it was part of the assessment. Um, but there, there are pros and cons for, for Dell getting rid of um, or keeping VMware. I mean, as you said, Dell VMware is such a critical software player in the industry, but it's also, it's, uh, you know, that, that, um, that value comes from its independence and its relationship with so many vendors across, across the industry, many of whom compete with Dell. And it's always been a, a, an element of tension, the fact that it's part of Dell. And actually, we've seen that more and more as Dell has sought to sort of capitalize on um, on the VMware customer and partner base. Um, you know, we're seeing um, Dell becoming a distributor of VMware licenses, um, absolutely to the detriment of its top distributors, of, of VMware's top distributors. And that's created a lot of tension and frustration amongst distributors. You know, I think there's, there's um, there'd be a lot of companies out there that would quite like VMware to be independent to be a separate organization and there would be big benefits in terms of the financial and the ability to speed up um, Dell's ability to pay down down its debt. So I I, I mean, it's very difficult to say which way this is going to go. Um, I think VMware will survive and thrive as a separate company in its own right. 
um and and so i can i can see it going either way that's very very indecisive about it but um it's all down to the to the decisions at the board level within dell yeah i think at the end of the day it it will boil down to whatever the pressures are on the again on on paying off the debt and um if they're able to kind of continue to pay it down at a at at a um at the rate that they're supposed to then um maybe things will kind of stay as they are but if they start to you know fall behind or um you know need to take out more loans to pay off uh, um to, to pay off the existing debt i mean they already have um i would say relatively negative ratings um on their on their bonds so i think that'll ultimately be the pressure as to whether or not they decide to do something major with vmware um, or or keep it. Uh, I'm sure yeah. strategically they want to keep it, but um, those will be the, the the pressures that they will they will face. And it may be that you know the current climate helps to speed up that decision making as well. I mean, if if Dell sees a really significant hit to its um, infrastructure business, for example, um, then that might um, you know really make it um, urgent, more urgent for it to to find a way to pay down that debt. But like you say, it's also contributing to cash as well. So, and, and bottom lines. 